I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is a special episode of the Wikicast, the podcast about random Wikipedia articles. Today, we're joined by a guest. And I'm a guest. My name's Taha, Taha Khan. Uh, Khan, stop me on YouTube and Twitter. That's what I do. I make comedy stuff, um, but mainly I just sit on Twitter and make jokes. So, yep, that's me. And Taha, what article are we talking about this week? This week, Dan, we're talking about Cicada 3301. I picked this article, I don't even know what it is. Right. (laughs) Nailed it. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, cica- so it's an insect, is it? Okay, so it's not an insect. It's so I came across this like a couple of years ago, or no, I, yeah, last year when a flatmate of mine who does maths um, basically told me about it, and it's the name of a secret organization. Oh my god! Ooh. And so essentially, as it says on the wiki, it's like name given to a secret organization that on six occasions has posted a set of puzzles and alternate alternate reality games to possibly recruit code breakers linguists from the public um oh oh cool yeah and the creepiest thing about this organization is that no one's claimed to like none of the intelligence services has claimed to run it um none of the like known hackers like hacking organizations have claimed to run it no one's tried to monetize on it um and the actual puzzles are like super complicated and um they're like all online it says here like the puzzles are focused heavily on data security cryptography and stenography i don't know what that is okay well i'm gonna have to stop you right there because i think what you've what you've done there is you've you've made the fatal mistake of bringing something interesting to this podcast yeah (laughs) rookie error rookie rookie error we really specialize in in high quality non-content i think Mm. i I mean for that reason alone our audience is going to be rioting right now i I feel like we should possibly we should possibly backtrack a little bit and talk about uh how how this came to be because obviously this is a podcast that dan Dan and i have normally done Mm. and um i think this started because you basically messaged me taha didn't you 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 said that you were a fan i mean yeah perhaps that's the first question why are you a fan and how did you how did you find us i guess so Mm. i am i'm like a massive podcast like nerd um i listen to podcasts like basically every waking moment which is not good like i've realized very recently that (laughs) it like has a tremendous effect on your focus um but because like i listen to a lot of things on double speed then you go to lectures and they're not in double speed and you're like hey man can you talk faster um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i tweeted being like hey does anyone have podcasts and you being the selfless man that you are uh, oh yeah, I did. <laughs> I forgot about you self promo. You tried to blame. So hang on. So we we were blaming Taha and wanting to be on here, and it was actually you plugging yourself, Simon. Is that what we've established? I mean, I for- I had forgotten that that was the case, but yes, that is exactly what happened. My goodness. Yeah. So so you you basically promoted your own podcast, um, and I was like, oh well, I'll give it a go. Um, a lot of the time, I find that if I know the people who are making the podcast, I like tend to tend to not want to listen to it. Um, Mm. so you, you got past that, which was good. Either that means your podcast is really good or you're not my friends. So 
you know, you can... Okay, so we barely know each other is yeah, what we established. Yeah, pretty us. much. Because yeah. um, uh, <laughs> we met what? Because we, we did meet. That, yeah. That's the other thing we should say is we, we met at, at what we talked about last week, I think, which was VidCon Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like you you both like remind me a lot of like, like you mentioned before, like the Hello Internet style podcasts where it's like just two people who are interested in a bunch of things, like talking about things. And... Like I needed more of those, like because I only listen to Hello Internet in that genre, and so I guess you just mm. you you fulfil the requirement of being basically the Tesco value Hello Internet. So oh, <laughs> put that oh, on a sticker. So I'll buy it. Amazing. <laughs> in one week, I've I've been described as a Walmart brand Nathan Fillion, and the podcast has been described as the Tesco brand Hello Internet. I mean, nice. Nice. I mean, wow, doesn't get much better than that, guys. I mean, de- depending on depending on how how highly you value Hello Internet, that's a compliment. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> I imagine now that we've got you as a guest, we're we're we're, we're upgrading from Tesco value to kind of co-op irresistible. It's still Ooh. not great, but it's kind of getting there. It's getting a bit will, higher. I will defend co-op truly irresistible. I mean, I did used to work for co-op. I think that is a quality supermarket. Did range. you used to work for co-op? Yeah. Did you not know that? You never told me that, and you lived with me for like nearly a year and a half yeah yeah i used to i used to work on the tills for um co-op when i was in school god you're an enigma nothing (laughs) none of us know you yeah well so yes i will very much defend the truly irresistible range because i think it represents not just great value but also high quality um (laughs) for god's sake (laughs) wow and it's not marks and spencers i'll give you that but like it's very true i i feel like you know to, to say that we are the truly irresistible level i think is testament to to Taha, really. I mean, you've pulled mm. us up by a bootstrap. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, I mean, truly. I was going to ask you guys, like, why did you, like, Simon, you messaged me being like, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? I said yes immediately because I just love being on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> However, like, I, I was, like, quite, like, confused why you're like, oh, we want you to be our first guest. So I, I'm going to flip that question on you. Well, I think in a guest, we wanted someone who was funny, basically. And you are possibly the the single most consistently funny person i follow on twitter mm. like it's it's kind of amazing actually like consistently if you look through your tweets we actually have about the same number of followers i think about 7000 that kind of range oh wow and and yet like you get way more engagement than i do because you are simply funnier than i am <laughs> so i was like if we don't have any talent that's homegrown in the podcast i think we can we can import some basically <laughs> Because um, you know, I, I get f- all with Dan. I mean, I'm really, I'm working with what I've got. Here. I mean, there's no need to rub it in. You immediately start to t- discussing Twitter analytics, and I'm a lowly scrub who's sitting on like I think 900 and something followers. People who vaguely pay attention to things I say. That all right, Whitaker, hang on. Who was you know like diehard fan of of the pod. Let, let- so everyone should go and subscribe and subscribe it's twitter i'm so on youtube mode everyone should go and follow the at daniel j moore on twitter stop Yay. stop giving him that ammunition he's he has some good stuff to say from time to time um mm, i mean it's true he's, he's not it's not all waffle and meaningless yeah i mean at the moment to be fair our timelines are mostly wikicast fandom mm. stuff which by which i mean it's mostly baguettes uh, yeah also that i mean and that is the perfect point to interject there um dear listeners we love you dearly but but why Baguettes. <laughs> i even i even i, I came in I, I made a a sneaky appearance in um one of my foreheads live streams which is the weirdest thing i might have said today um <laughs> and i asked the question and they refused to tell me 
They refused to now, give me any more I, information. I can tell you where this came. Are you aware of this Taha? By the way, like this this memery that's been going on. See, I, I'm not. I, I follow most of it, but I have not heard about the baguette thing. Okay, so it's madness. We. We have been photoshopped as baguettes. Um, I think the most recent thing which I I saw was somebody wanted us to make like love pillows, like you know what the, what you see like anime printed on, so uh, neckbeards can go to sleep with their anime characters. And someone had done one for us, which was just bread. Um, and you should have said, "I I don't baguette it." I don't baguette oh, it. There oh. we go. There's the value. There's there the, you go. Um, the truly irresistible <laughs> merch. <laughs> Amazing. Why would anyone want to take us to bread is my question. Um, oh, for God's sake. So, uh, so I can tell you the answer to this because somebody, and I can't remember who it is. I'm very sorry. Oh, for God's sake. Somebody created the Wikicast wiki and I just went on it and hecking Ruddy George has changed it all to comic f***ing sands. <laughs> oh, oh. Ruddy George. What are you doing? Come on, but, buddy. But yeah, we now have a Wikicast wiki because of course we do. Um, and there aren't, there isn't much on it at the moment. But one of the uh, pages is baguette, um, which apparently uh, during one of your foreheads live streams, Dan. And incidentally, I'm a big fan of saying like, if you're in the room, your forehead rather than Dan's forehead, like it's mm. a username. To me, it mm-hmm. is your forehead that's gone sentient. Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, um, Dan's for your forehead, I should say. Your forehead went on the French version of Duolingo, and so readers started talking to each other using bread and baguette emojis to sort of react, and then that kind of became a thing. Um, I see. Okay. Yeah. That makes more... Well, I say it makes more sense. It makes more sense relative to the nonsense that it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a little, at least a little bit of light has been shed on that. Thanks. So, I mean, Taha, you are going to be part of this memory, no doubt. I mean, you're the mm. first guest. This is like a, I mean, you know, I suppose as you said, like, you know, the first guest, because hopefully we'll, we'll do this more in the future, because hopefully our mm. fans won't hate this format. Um, but, you know, you're going you're gonna to have a page on this wiki. What, what do you think is, it, is important to have on there? I think, I think that the top of, like, the title of my, my Wikipedia page should definitely just be my Twitter account. <laughs> it should just just be like a live feed of my Twitter account. I think mm-hmm. that would be really important for everyone to know about. I love that. I love that. Uh, like the nation of Wikicast has its own subculture that like the rulers don't even like understand. Yeah, it's beyond our control. Now. It's like they're going to be planning a coup. This is literally what's going to happen in the next couple of episodes. They will have worked up their own little kind of like rather than working symbiotically with us, they're going to spread off. And it's going to take over. It's going to be disastrous. Well done. I feel like I've created a sentient AI. Yeah. Genuinely. <laughs> it's, it's like it's gone rogue. Um, I mean, to be fair, like one of the articles on the Wikipedia is uh, just titled The Night of February 17th, which just sounds like the night of long knives. Like this was the night when they gained sentience and they overthrew us. And it's like it's got subsections and everything about like how your forehead streamed, Dan. And then there was the reading, quote unquote, mm. um, oh uh, of... Of uh, of your forehead, because yes, as we just as we determined, your forehead forehead has a very very nice voice. Um, oh, this is so we we alluded to this last week, um, <laughs> and you kind of you mentioned in passing that it was quite a pleasant voice to listen to. I then finished the recording, um, and in classic old man Dan fashion, saw that it was about quarter to nine, and that I needed to get in bed bloody quick, otherwise I wouldn't get enough sleep. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'll have a I'll have a brief listen. I'll see what all the hype is about. And I was not prepared for the levels of ASMR calmness and just sheer joy that is the voice of my forehead. Oh my goodness, it's <laughs> glorious. 
I mean, it's it's really something. Uh, and and actually, she your forehead streamed the last episode, I believe, on Twitch. And so there was like live chat happening. So I really hope that if you are if you're watching this on Twitch, if this has happened again, big hello from all of us because I think that's fucking amazing that that this is happening. I think um, I'm definitely. I think what we. Should, I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to try and tune in. I know that my plans for Saturday morning are basically going to be recovering from the mother of all hangovers. Um, ah, it's because Hugo and I's big birthday bash, which is going to be just the messiest thing that's happened to uh, to Exeter. Um, what you JK say Rowling that announced that she didn't know what firehouse was. You say that, but I'm just going to read. Um, we will get back to you, Taha. Talk amongst yourself um, from from the <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, the there's the last section of the night of February seventeenth was um, about uh, the inside man on the Discord decided to forego the rules of uh, the Discord by after quote after getting quite drunk sending an image of chapel choir member Hugo photoshopped into a gay orgy parentheses ah, yeah. it is worth noting no genitals are visible but heavily implied end quote mm. um, so I mean you say it's gonna be the messiest event. Uh, I don't know. Hugo's big gay orgy has, has something to be compared to now. This is true. So, so, so you know what? We've really we've done what we always do, which is go down uh, a massive rabbit hole. You left us hanging. We left our audience hanging with this incredible Wikipedia article that you found. Oh, so, oh yeah, <laughs> there was a yeah. Wikipedia yeah. article involved. Yeah, as as is always the case with the Wikicast, it's like oh shit, yeah, we were talking about that. Um, so what was the name again? It was Cicada something. Cicada three three zero one. And why is it called that? I don't... Oh, the logo is like an insect. Okay. Is yeah, it spelled probably... cicada as in, the in... as in the insect? I've never heard of the insect, so <laughs> I'm going to go with okay. yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the thing that I find like scariest, the, the reason I chose it was when, when I was like introduced to this, like these puzzles, I basically realized that this... Like, even to create this puzzle and the people breaking the puzzle are of an intelligence that I can never achieve. Like, I was just like, okay, these people are just so much smarter than me that I am so scared of them because it's like, there's just this like shadowy organization of like super intelligent people and they're recruiting more super intelligent people and we just don't know what they're doing. Oh my God. It's yeah. like Shield. It feels like it's one of those those massive super organizations that you see in sci-fi, but you just assume could never be real because you know who could ever be that intelligent? But yeah, it's like the company. Oh, who who's the overarching um, evil like uh, in the Assassin's Creed? What's that name? I've never they played an animus. Assassin's Creed game. I'm afraid. Uh, there's, there's like a they haven't. Oh, hang on. Talk amongst yourselves, everyone. Dan's gonna have to look it up because he's gonna <laughs> implode if he can't find it. I mean, if it's the overarching evil, I think that's capitalism, isn't it? Oh, oh, oh wow. Edgy. Sorry, I just cut edgy. myself on the edge. Wow. Edgy. Jesus. <laughs> oh, Corbin. speaking of Corbin speaking of like <laughs> speaking of like vaguely related to economics, I do want to defend the two. I think two episodes ago, the the recession article that you guys. You guys oh, we seem to hate. Yeah, we were like, yeah. it wasn't very interesting. As an economics student, I was, I was very, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm going to be the first to defend this article. Um, there's not much to defend. I did, I did go and look <laughs> at it, um, and and I basically realised, yeah, it, I mean, it was pretty boring. But however, <laughs> I did want to say, I did want to say um, that. A fun fact about recessions is that they happen all the time, which is why it seems like everyone's always in a re- recession. Mm. Um, it's a it's a natural part of life, guys. 
Yeah, I mean, I because I've been thinking about economics more than normal because I just read Artemis, the um, follow-up to The Martian by Andy Weir, which, have you read it? No. So it's 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 about the first city on the moon and it, like he's written it from the perspective of an economist like sort of how economically that city could actually function and the basic mm. comparison is like it's it's something like a, a luxury resort in somewhere like i don't know mauritius or in the middle east where people ultra rich people might go for a holiday every once in a while but like everyday people will go as a once in a lifetime kind of thing so mm. it's got all these resources in a place where there, there really shouldn't be resources um and you know and so there's like kind of economic ways of, of approaching you know the subject matter and in 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 it there's an interesting sort of monologue by one of the characters about the nature of economies and how they all kind of just by definition they go through different phases and one of those phases is decline and collapse and that along the way like it's natural that it's going to the, the you know the uh the graph's going to go up and it's going to go down there's no point at which it's just kind of plain sailing the entire way um so when that that kind of when i i think i'd read that just after the article and it actually made me think maybe there is a little bit more interesting in it um, yeah, I think that in that in that when you were discussing that, there were many times where I was literally like replying to you guys out loud because I was like frustrated <laughs> by like inaccuracies, and I was just like, oh my god, um, like you were like confused about the definition of a recession for a while, and I was like, ah, that's the thing. <laughs> I I specifically remember that episode because. Simon asked me to try and explain the stock markets to an English and classics student. And I just went, oh, <laughs> ec economists around the world are going to be ripping their dicks off listening yeah, to that's... Dan try and struggle <laughs> through this garbled definition. That's why I didn't do it. That's why I asked you. <laughs> um, there was a point where I was going to just, I was going to bring the same article. And just be like, <laughs> right, we're redoing it, guys. We're redoing this. Um, okay, just do it as like an words, economics so lesson. Can we actually get a, a what is the distinction between a recession and a depression then because I genuinely want to know. Um so depression just isn't an economic term. Um so so it's just like people just say that on the news I guess. Um but the recession is basically two periods of decreased growth. Um so two uh like quarters and then it's officially classed as as a recession. So like um you can have like a bunch of one quarter decreased growth sandwiched between one quarter of increased growth and you're not not in a recession um it's only when it takes a nosedive for a long enough period of time which is why it, like you'll have like two periods of decreased growth and then one period of increased growth and then it'll go back into a recession so it just seems like recessions happen all the time i see i see there so is this a case of kind of the media hyping it up it's like oh we're in a recession again uh and yet that's kind of happens every couple of quarters you're saying yeah yeah there's there's something called the boom and bust cycle so what happens is the economy overheats because it's producing way more than it should and then afterwards it, it like basically cools down and that's a, re a recession i think we all lived through like one of the biggest and like most significant recessions in like basically history and so to us recession sounds like this huge scary thing because like <laughs> I know, I know that when I was a kid, like every time someone said recession, it was because everything was falling apart. Um, yeah. Whereas I assume that forty-year-olds or something ha would have probably been through a bunch of recessions that were probably okay. Yeah. So this is in reference to the two thousand and eight was when it started. Was this a subprime mortgage? Yeah. Yeah. Thing. That was. Yeah. And so when you think about it in terms of boom and bust, you have like all of the all of the mortgage market was basically 
producing way more money than it should have been. And then as soon as as soon as people realized that, the economy basically corrected and just like went into a massive recession. Okay. I mean again, you're you're skirting the, the dangerous coast of interestingness here, Taha. Like, <laughs> this is this is really dangerous stuff that you're doing. Uh, Dan, have you actually <laughs> found what you were looking for, by the way? You were Googling something. Oh yeah, no, I found it I found it ages ago and then I got like, sucked sucked onto a tangent of the two thousand eight recession because that was the big short film premise, right? Ah, with Margot oh. Robbie in the bathtub, yes. Yeah, which <laughs> yeah, is, that, I, I, that I, is... I, I watched a couple of weeks ago and I really like So I found that people especially with Margot Robbie in the bathtub, I feel like she's explaining something, but no one's paying attention to what she's saying. Yeah, be quite, yeah exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like, didn't learn anything. <laughs> I'm like, huh, they, they backfired on this one. Yeah. Well, can you, can you just remake that scene? Can you just be Margot Robbie and at, just, just explain it and see if it's any different? Because maybe it's just being in the bathtub that's distracting. You don't have to look like Margot Robbie. See, the issue is... I don't know what she was saying either. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> like, okay, oh, film critics the world over are like, there was a scene in the middle of it that we loved. We have no idea what it was about. Like, <laughs> the world is baffled. Yeah, I guess we'll oh, never know. Inc- incidentally, Abstergo Industries. Oh, the um, the Assassin's Creed thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad we mm-hmm. got that cleared out. I'm sure people okay. are dying to know. Yeah, our um, listeners can kind of... And sit back down, calm, breathe. For some reason, I thought that that was the name of the bathtub. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like very confused why you knew the brand of bathtub. Yeah, that's all a about fetish for bath. Yeah. Bath. Um, also, okay. So speaking of um, fetish, this says quite a lot about how, how the way my brain works. Um, I think fetish, and then I thought um, that the um, the love petal scene out of. American Beauty, which I think is the perfect oh, film. Bloody hell! Yeah, sorry, carry on. But One of these days, you're I rewatched not talk about the I, yesterday um, on a break from writing an essay, um, which in itself was hilarious because it might be the worst essay I've ever written. Um, I was watching Madagascar, and there's a direct call out to that scene. Sorry, did you pronounce it Madagascar? Madagascar. Yes. Madagascar. It's actually it's actually Madagas automotive mobile. So. <laughs> Just in the in the in know, the just a, Elon Musk sponsored remake, it, it's mm. going to be uh, Mada Tesla. Yeah, Mada Tesla. Yeah, yeah. You know, Uma? I went to Magapier, so I I know how it's pronounced. Oh, it's, I see. You know, I'm very cultured. On like my that. Yeah, on my gap year. I was thinking about Madagascar last night. What was I? Oh yeah, I was having an imaginary argument with someone about conservation. Yeah, sorry. Do you ever do that? Where you like <laughs> what? You have imaginary <laughs> arguments about conservation. Usually well, no, they're not that niche. But go but on. like you know, you have an imaginary. You, you like someone. You imagine that someone's come up to you and they're like ha- all up in your face about a subject that you're actually very passionate and like kind of you know knowledgeable about. And you're mm. just like, oh, this is how I'm going to take this person down. And mm. then you you have a like an argument where you play both roles and you'll speak out loud and then maybe like say your bit and then move to another part of the room and then reply as the other person. Like that scene and like the short that came after Toy Story with a guy playing chess against himself. Mm. Have you ever done that? I do that. I do that a lot with the whole kind of like um either I'm imagining that I'm giving some kind of speech or giving an interview. Well, see, I, so I, you're I giving the this. speech and then you're in the audience and you're like woo you're yeah, doing great yeah. and then you like go but up I'll on do stage this, and you're like this, thank this you very much occurs, this usually occurs when uh, when I'm like doing the washing up or or kind of you know something equally as again old man Dan returns with a passion um, 
and I'll be kind of like watching there. Or my the, the bad habit I've got into at the moment is replaying particularly tricky appointments that I've had at Apple in the day. And I return to that and I'm like, who was it? Oh yeah, it was like Jeff Henderson and he had this issue. And I like replay it and I basically try and script the entire thing. So it's one this one fluid, seamless, oh my God, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Um, but then I like, I'll get too into it and splash like fairy liquid everywhere and have to stop and seriously examine how how into my job I am. <laughs> Do you do this, Taha? Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> That's so weird. I, That's so weird you don't do that. I have, I was, I was like, yeah, I really can't relate to this. Up until you said uh, the Apple thing. Mm. Um, like, I, I don't understand what's, what, what Simon was saying about, like, coming up with, I feel like this is a very sort of, like, once you once you have once your doctor when once your doctor clerk mm-hmm. you want to show off your knowledge whereas i'm like a clueless boy and don't have any knowledge to show off and so i couldn't relate to the idea of someone coming up to me like <laughs> and like having an argument because i'd just be like okay man you're probably right um <laughs> well you're yeah. saying i am so powerful i have to invent my own opponents who are like <laughs> strong enough you'd rather critique it in Pretty... the privacy of your own home listening to a podcast after the fact <laughs> It's Simon Pretty versus Nega Simon. <laughs> Pretty much. But I do I do have like a similar experience where... So I don't script any of my YouTube videos. However... Really? Yeah. Genuinely? Yeah, like I've never scripted a video. Wow, okay. Um, okay. But what I guess what I do do is once I have an idea for what the video is going to be and I'm doing chores and stuff, I know that I'm going to record like tomorrow or whatever. All of the day before when I'm doing chores, I'll be like imagining myself talking about the topic mm-hmm. and so i'm like performing yeah. the the vlog in my head so that when i get to the actual vlog it feels like i've already done it mm. so it's it's like you're writing it but you're not actually writing anything down but you are you know creating a mental script yeah i guess so i guess so but i don't necessarily change anything really it's just like i it's like as if i turned on the camera i spoke and then I just did the same thing again. But yeah, I guess it is like a first draft and then when I go in to do the actual thing, it's just a second draft. Yeah, I, it's I less of an emphasis on like the, the, the kind of wording of the script, but like a nice way to kind of almost kind of verbally flowchart the way I do. The, I, I do also do this very regularly when I've got upcoming like seminars and stuff. I know that we've got like, we'll have our chosen discussion point for the week and a couple of days before. Or if I had like, if I have interviews or stuff, just like running it through the thing is i get too into it and i will i'll kind of like give fake pauses when the other person can ask a question <laughs> oh obviously there, there is no other person and there is no question so there's a period of silence where you'll just hear like you know glasses and plates sloshing about in the washing up bowl and then i'll reply with oh well i'm so glad you asked oh <laughs> my god yeah i mean that, this is dream. the kind of thing that keeps me awake at night like the kind of stuff that stops me from going to sleep is i will be doing what you're doing taha and like writing a video in my head yeah. it's like conceptually scripting it it's not the exact words it's like i'll talk about that point and then that point and then it's like and then then therefore this but but that and yeah mm. like i i totally empathize with that but that's just amazing to me that you didn't write you don't script your videos because they they seem like not i guess polished is the wrong word but like conceptually polished to the point where they they feel like they must have been scripted i think the secret there is that i'm a terrible i'm a terrible like uh write like i'm a terrible writing writer of videos and i'm a terrible performer of videos but what i really excel at is the editing like i'm ah. like that's where i like know that i can do well Whereas, because I, I once filmed a video with a friend of mine in the room, um, 
and they looked at me like this was the worst thing that you've ever done in your life like i just crashed and burned for like 20 minutes um and then they watched the video and i was like oh that was really funny but like i was there in the room with you and i have no idea how you did that um so i really like i'm that's one of the reasons why i never do i've never done and i don't think i would ever do a collab because I seem like an incoherent mess when I'm with someone or like in person. Yeah. And then it's the editing that does, does all the like magic. You know, I was actually, um, I was actually filming a collab last week with a, a very big YouTuber. Um, and I, for their sake, I won't say who this was, but I was really quite surprised that um, when the finished products, of their videos are so slick and they are, it's not like they're even edited sh- snappily. Normally they're actually one take. But when we were recording, they were messing, not messing up, but they kept having to redo things like a lot more frequently than I was expecting. Mm. So like, it's interesting that that's like the exact opposite that, you know, the the end product would indicate that they would be, um, that they're not a complete mess, but in in real fact they are. So it's like that moment in The Wizard of Oz when the curtain is like withdrawn and you see, you suddenly realize the actual kind of, you know, the facade is shattered. Um, I, I, I've like talked to a lot of YouTubers about this and I feel like it comes in two categories. I feel like the YouTubers that you think don't script videos probably do script videos. And then the ones that don't, the ones that you think do don't, um, I have a friend of mine called Evelyn from the internet. And if you watch any of her videos, they seem like basically like four minute rants. Um, but they're like really, really thought through and like scripted basically almost to the word i'm not sure if i should say that but i've said it now so oh well Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah because i mean i my style of public speaking has always been to make it seem like it's spontaneous i think there's a there's a great um this is where you go into like a much more theoretical discussion of youtube that i might have to write a book about one day like genuinely but i i think there is a definite advantage to appearing to be um spontaneous because people take what you're saying to have less bias going into it like it's less premeditated um and so i deliberately try and make stuff that does look like that and some of the stuff that but also look- like it definitely that manner makes you a more endearing person doesn't it like if you you're, exactly. you immediately seem more humble more relatable because you're not giving this you're not just reeling off this you know prepared yeah, you, kind of splurge you don't come across as an actor basically you come across as a genuine yeah. person and, and particularly when you're dealing with what i started with which was oxbridge access i think the most important thing i could have done was to emphasize how i am actually a real person i'm not paid to say any of this stuff you know like there's no reason to not believe what i'm saying and i think that also carries Mm. across into science um so some of my stuff i think that looks like i'm making it up like somebody actually commented on it saying um why are you stumbling like you should learn what you're going to say before a video and that was the sign and cause video which i'd scripted down to the word over the over several weeks um so it is interesting actually that like that that kind of relationship between you know spontaneity and uh, and preparedness, I suppose. That's that's, that's really interesting because I am like almost the polar opposite in the way that like I deliberately want it to seem like a performance. Like that's one thing that I really like to emphasize for a reason that I've I've talked about briefly, but never in videos directly. So I have this like running gag in in my videos at the beginning, in which I have this like cup of tea. Um, and then it turns out not to be tea and it's like lol look at this it's a lie everything's a lie um and <laughs> the cake is a lie yeah pretty much like it's this whole <laughs> it's this whole running joke that i have about how 
Um, I want to emphasize that this is a performance because one of the reasons that I don't upload very often is that I find it really uncomfortable and like weird that people are going to see me as like this, like this, like relatable guy when it's like, oh, I spent hours editing this. And yeah. I, I like want it to seem like this polished product. Um, whereas I know that like most YouTubers are doing the opposite. So that's that's because the word that I use for me for my style of appearing to be real but actually being a lot more premeditated would be verisimilitude. But as far as I know, I just had a quick check. There's no antonym of verisimilitude. There's no word for something that gives the appearance of not being real whilst actually being real. There's a lexical gap there that you could fill. You could define the word for that. Mm. That's that's now carnitude. Carnitude. Yeah. Did you hear that, Wiki Wikipedia makers uh, for the Wikicast? Carnitude is the opposite. Wait, can I, can I have the word be like the URL to my Twitter account? <laughs> like you have to say, oh, it's it's twitter.com slash can't stop me. <laughs> oh yes, the antonym of verisimilitude. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, there it is. That that that's the thing now uh, with the people yeah. who are editing the Wikicast Wikipedia. You you know what you need to do. I always found that interesting because uh, like Will I Am, his um, like he's got incredible branding because if you tweet or like type Will I Am anywhere, Will Am, that's his URL, and so mm. every time you type his name, it, it's a hyperlink to his website, and wow. that's just genius. Genius. Yeah, it's just incredible. I think actually, you know, we've we've been talking for quite a while and there's a lot more that we want to talk about, but I think specifically in the next section. Mm. So should we just take a quick, quick leap over the boundary into Critics Corner? Here we go. Okay, so we've all gone and seen a film, unusually for the podcast, in which normally one of Dan and I sees the film, the other one's been too busy. Mm -hmm. Um... What what have what have you seen recently, Taha? You know, I I may or may not have seen it like multiple times in like over the course of <laughs> the same twenty four hours. Um, but I did see Black Panther three times over this weekend. Wow. Three times in a weekend! Oh my wow. god! I mean, I've seen it once, so I can't quite claim to have the same mastery <laughs> of the subject matter that, that you can. But but Dan, you literally just got out of the cinema. Yeah, I left the cinema about just over an hour ago. Um, Ooh, okay. So we we're, we're all. I think would it be fair to say that we, we were all fans of Black Panther? Um, no, I had no idea. Like, <laughs> I oh really? Okay. Yeah. So I don't watch trailers for films that I know I'm going to see. Um, mm. And why? What, what I try to do with those types of films is I try to just incubate myself away from everything else. I don't know if I use that word right, but oh well. Um, like everything to do with it. Yeah, so like on Twitter, you can mute words. So I had like Black Panther muted on Twitter and like I had it all, like I really went serious about this. So like mm. I've had Star Wars muted and like a bunch of the Infinity War muted, things like that. So I went in not knowing anything apart from uh, what we already know from, was it Civil War where he was in? Yes, Civil War. Mm. Yeah. yeah and so that's all i knew and i went in just like fresh eyes and like it just ugh, it was so good um <laughs> i don't know how, how much we want to i don't want to leap into it before uh you two um, i mean we well, that's, i feel spoilers. like that's yeah. given that that was given that that was your like initial impression and you you absolutely totally like 
ostracized yourself from any particular like media influence on the film whatsoever simon yeah. what was your kind of pre before I mean, you before you saw the film your initial thoughts of what you what, what you were kind of thinking it was going to be about going to be like so i saw i have to admit i knew nothing about the character of black panther uh apart mm-hmm. from his appearance in civil war um yeah and I I have to admit, I also, this is interesting and not related to the film, I assumed it was named after the civil rights uh, group that Forrest Gump yeah. meets. Apparently yeah. it wasn't. It was They were both named after an all-black tank battalion in the Second World War. So I kind of, I looked up a little bit of the history. Um, but I, I'd seen the trailer, and I, I remember from the very first trailer, I was incredibly pumped for the film. Like, mm. I, the, the, the very first one that was intercut with the revolution will be televised. Um sorry the revolution will not be televised the revolution will be live uh i was i was really really keen and then i think i might have gone gone away for a bit and then as the kind of the social media buzz kind of picked up over the past couple of weeks and maybe months i guess um i was i was very very excited to see it and i'd heard good things about it so when i went in i was going in with high expectations um which were definitely met i think that's really interesting i saw the trailer a while ago and watched it and was like, okay, does it, am I phased by that at all? I, the, the, the reaction that I had to watching the Black Panther trailer was on par with the reaction I had to watching the um, Greatest Showman trailer. Interesting. Oh, oh dear. I was, I was just like, oh, I genuinely, and right, and I was feeling this right up until I, I left work today. I legged it home, I got changed, I legged it back to the the cinema to go and see this. And right up until like even through the trailers, um, just I was I was starting to fall asleep in the trailers. I was like, I'm really not I'm gonna see it because you know, like we're all gonna discuss it and maybe I'll have some interesting points on why I'm just kind of so unfazed by it. Um and within the first like I think it would have been just the first kind of opening fanfare of music and having and I've got quite a bit to say from like a soundtrack perspective um Mm. but um it totally surpassed expectation for me i was really really surprised so we're actually coming at this from all angles we've got the person who came in mute of about everything the person who came in excited as all hell and the person Mm. who came in really not wanting to enjoy it uh, or not expecting to enjoy it and yet we all came out with positive experiences so i guess that's yeah I, i do want to make a case for um, not watching trailers because I know I'm in the minority and I just want to... I, I I was with you for the most recent Star Wars film. I mean, to be fair, yeah. I wish I kind of hadn't watched the, the film either. Oh, but God. There you go. um, but I understand what you're getting Yeah, at. because Harsh. I think yeah. the, the, the thing that I can point to that like really solidified it for me was I was in the cinema for Thor Ragnarok and, and the Hulk burst through into the arena. And to me, that's incredible. I'm like, oh my God, the Hulk's in this film. But everyone else already knew, and so I turned to my friend. Yeah, because he's yeah. So I turned to my friend next to me, like, like expecting him to also turn to me, being like, "Oh my god!" But he's just watching as if it's normal. And then afterwards, he was like, "Yeah, it's in the trailer." Um, it was also on the poster, which I somehow missed, which was incredible. But oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> you really were like properly like blinking. Yeah, that, that that was just. I think that was. I just got really lucky. But yeah, as, as the other person, Dan, what's your what's your take on this? I I remember watching the trailer. And thinking, and and usually, you know, if it's a film that I'm super, super hyped about, I I may like accidentally come across like a, the teaser for it. And watching the teaser, I'm not so I'm not so fast. But if it's a film that I'm super excited for, um, I will I will actively not 
watch the trailer because I wanted to. I want to go in completely, you know, like mm. raw. Um, Phrasing. And after watching the trailer, I was thinking like, oh, I just don't. There's nothing about this that interests me at all. <laughs> Without wanting to be too harsh, that literally every <laughs> aspect, every aspect of the of the trailer was. I was just like, I don't give a shit. Why? And I know, and like it was just basically. I thought, oh, it's another Marvel thing. It's another hero. It's trying to be different. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to see it. Okay, here we go. And when and then from going in, and it just literally every and and with going in, every one of my views, every preconception I had, I I just like was was polarized. So with, if, with watching the film. So if anything, you watching the trailer made the experience of watching the film better because you went in with such low expectations. Yeah, in this rare instance, watching the tra- watching the trailer did the film <laughs> a massive favour. That's really surprising anyway. because um, <laughs> I, I generally watch the trailer after I watch the film just to see. Um, yeah, and I, I like was really glad I didn't watch the trailer because, like like you said, like you know when certain beats are going to happen, like you know that like mm. a character has to end up in a a scenario um and maybe going in with like complete ignorance i didn't know who the like ultimate villain was supposed to be or like who the like antagonist protagonist dynamic was going to be um and then like watching the trailer you kind of see it in some of like the fight scenes um so i don't know I, i i think that you're you're probably right because if you if you were like basically disenfranchised by the trailer um, you're probably right to, to to watch the trailer. Yeah. So, I mean, Dan, I think that perhaps it's most interesting to start with you. I think you probably speak for a lot of people going in to the film um, with Marvel fatigue. It's like oh, for sure. ha- having yeah. seen so many Marvel films now. I mean, and I was, I've been a big fan of them. And recently there have been some cracking ones like Guardians 2, Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I wasn't a fan of Thor Ragnarok so much. Um, but like there have been some good ones, but everyone is getting a bit tired of it. So what about this was different, do you think? What, what made you engaged with it? I think the, the manner in which the story was told, um, both squeezing in your classic Marvel superhero storyline with real important points of discussion and mm. kind of and, and area and, and kind of leaves you walking away thinking like you know like both um both your both your kind of your hero and your villain came were, were coming at an issue with really valid points and there was a real kind of moral conflict going on it's it basically the script had been really really thought through um mm. and a lot of care had gone into it i think equally um i think the thing that really saved the film for me certainly in the first five ten minutes was just hearing that like the score is intriguing it's so different it's so so different it's good it's this this like amazing clash of classic um western orchestral um like strings and trumpet fanfares with this really deep kind of earthy polyrhythmic um like african it's and they both work in such like beautiful harmony there's this um there's a um art critique um uh term called concordia discourse which is often expressed through um uh in in one painting having conflicting points of nature um within the same scene over in in kind of when they both come together creates a sense of kind of overall harmony um I know this because I tried to apply that technique to Romeo and Juliet for an essay I wrote um, 
and it actually kind of went kind of well. But the, for me, this was like the perfect kind of way of trying to explain that because you've got these two things that are, are kind of so overwhelmingly different in kind of sound and, and mood and kind of, but they just worked so well. I immediately, like I left the, I left the theatre um, and immediately like Apple Music found the, found the soundtrack and was going through being like, what was that one that I remember this one specific track um, I can't for the life of me remember the name, but it was just so like, oh, so good, so clever, so well thought through. Every aspect of the film. Now, did you has, notice? Has did you notice who thought. wrote the score? Wasn't it Top Dog Entertainment? Well, I'm like, I'm not 100 percent sure, but wasn't it Kendrick Lamar's? Um... Well, he did the. He he kind of curated the album that went with the film. Oh, okay. But Ludwig the, Göransson? Yeah, Ludwig Göransson wrote the music. He's an interesting person because they uh wrote the music for Community. Like that's that was their mm. big that was his big break. And he also collaborated with Childish Gambino on his like uh, like pre uh, because of the internet stuff mm. and like uh, on that whole album. So like he's got this really interesting thing of like writing for mainstream media and yet also has a really big hand in kind of like modern mu- like contemporary music. Um of that style so like he, he he has feet very firmly in two, those two camps which made him mm. perfect for this i mean what, what did you think of the music Taha, actually um i yeah i i agree with um like what you said about the like the real contrast um mm. of like not not only just like i don't know i i really understand what you what you mean when when you talk about like the earthiness of uh like one side of it um the thing that i i've I'd, i'm like a hundred i'm like very vague on but i i was watching an interview uh with the director and i'm not 100 percent sure if i understood what he said right but i'm pretty sure that top dog entertainment which is the company that kendrick lamar owns was hmm. is like the company that uh i've forgotten his name the guy who wrote the soundtrack ludwig Gorson. yeah the is the company that they worked with because I think they gave over basically the entire creative control of that soundtrack to uh, Top Dog and TDE, um, mm. which I found to be like a very interesting thing to do if if I'm like understanding this correctly because they are a hip hop like company like they don't they don't do movies. Mm. Um, That's their like focus. Yeah, which 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 makes sense now that you say that he did like the com- the composer knew has done work in that field before, so it makes kind of sense where his background like intersects with all of this. He's like entrenched in a specific demographic, a, bit, a specific sound, or less less so a specific demographic, but knows how to elicit um, a certain feeling by focusing on key kind of sounds and themes. I think the thing which... And I, again, this is what I, my first reaction to the, the, the whole trailer actually was, was with the music, I'm not sure if like it's taking cues so the basically the stuff that we identify as african in a kind of a broad sense like the stuff that's not from the western tradition it's not your, your typical movie strings yeah um, like tri- that tribal kind of sound yeah like now i'm not sure if that is from a specific part of africa or if it's meant to be a kind of like generically african sound because i feel like if it's the latter imagine if you try to do that for say there's just going to be a european sound like I, I think it's I think it's exactly the right creative decision to have the music have that as an element but don't you think you lose a lot of the kind of complexity you're kind of boiling a whole consonant's musical culture down into one sound or is it just focusing on one specifically and just kind of like with the language like they've they've just chosen one one musical culture to 
to recreate. I think they were they were they must have been hyper aware of wanting to create a sound that when you heard it you thought tribal rather than try rather than trying to pin it down to some some specific geography you know mm. um likewise with I think what what probably encountered more of an issue there is they is the language point that you raised like that that's that's very it's a, it's a it's a kind of unique sound and I'm sure if you know if, if I knew more about kind of the various kind of dialects of, of, of um, kind of rural Africa, um, then you'd be able to pin it down to kind of a specific kind of nation oh, um, tribe. Oh, I, I actually asked about this. So I, um, do you know Alex Lathbridge, Taha? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because um, I asked him about this because he's, he's, well, I mean, uh, his uh, username on Twitter at the moment, uh, as opposed to uh, Rapstract or Thermodynamics, I believe his username is T'Challa Y. Uh, like that like he's he's so into he, he's gone full Wakanda basically so I asked him about the language and he was saying um I I but my question was is it a mix of languages that they've made for the film or is it one specifically and apparently it's uh this is where my pronunciation is going to come in because it's got a click in its name um it's the, the language uh of the huh, here we go guys I think the language is Isik Osa I think it's right. it's the language that, for example, Nelson Mandela, like his, um, where he ancestrally came from, that from that sec- that part of Africa, like between South Africa and Mozambique. It's um, interesting you say that because when watching the film, I was getting such strong Mandela vibes from Chadwick um, Boseman specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like less so in his um, his kind of manner and attitudes, but more just literally his sound, his the affectation of his voice sounded so similar that and occasionally who was that um who was that boxer he's he was he's super well known it, it's um like a posh looking box oh, hang on right talk amongst yourselves dan's gonna oh, find chris eubank it's not gonna be abstergo <laughs> industries but mean, give me a moment so just to just to round out this point that alex, um alex got me onto. apparently the, the the reason why they they went with that language was um the guy who played uh, the the original king of Wakanda who died in civil war, um, uh, John Cunny, I think his name was. Um, he on the set uh, there was a line that was in English to his to his son um, T'Challa, and uh, he he said to the director like Why would I say this in English? I I'm talking to my son in private. So they mm. asked him What would you say? And and he said something in well I guess it'd be Osa or however you pronounce it. I'm really sorry if I'm getting that wrong. I've, I, I did some it's research. Vaguely, I think that's how yeah, it's pronounced. vaguely familiar, that, that name. So I, I assume you're, you're hitting the mark relatively okay, well. Okay, because there, there it's really interesting. There are three kinds of clicks in that language, and that's the side mouth click. That's like kind of if you were like summoning a horse, like the kind of sound. Um, so in Osa, if that's how you pronounce it, um, he, he just used that because that was his second language. Um, and then it turned out that Chadwick Boseman actually knew a little bit of the language. So he replied to John Canny's line in the same language. And so from there, they were like, well, I guess that's just the language of Wakanda now. Mm. Um, which I, I don't oh, know. That's so fascinating. Kind of story. It's like a throwaway thing that turned into like a massive point in the MCU now. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's such a cool sounding language. I mean, I, so I did some research and it's meant to be one of the most difficult languages in the world to learn as well. Like, and it, so- it just sounds so cool. There's a South African comedian who's on QI sometimes and they did a... They, oh, Trevor he, Noah. He had, I think it's him. And they, there's a section where he speaks in his, his kind of native tongue. And it it ha- it's got it's it is this the most kind of lyrical, um, percussive at the same time like yeah I th- it was it just seemed really considered f- culturally 
a lot of thought had really gone into it, not only to try and be thought provoking, but to be sensitive and and like encompassing. And yeah, I was I genuinely I I, def, I desperately want to see it again hmm. just to kind of to, to look at it in more detail, because I definitely as the film was going through, I was a bit kind of like, you know, eyebrows high in the sky just kind of in awe of how surprised I was watching this. It really felt like a um, phase one film. And that's something I really appreciated. And I think that's the reason that that Marvel fatigue really didn't translate into this film for me was because it felt like its own story. It wasn't really that connected to anything else. Um, And that like really did wonders for its it kind of not having you you don't have to strain to be like oh wait where was this character at the end of at the end of that film and like where are all of these moving parts and i think that's where a lot of marvel fatigue comes from yeah interesting another interesting thing that i i noticed this was the first time where the appearance of um who's the exec producer kevin oh oh you mean stan lee yeah um the first appearance that he's he's made in a marvel film that i thought like oh that feels so hammed in just purely because this film felt so not marvelly it felt yeah, really yeah. different and you know like obviously the obviously his, his appearances are hammed in that's the point but yeah they make sense in the context of the previous ones because the nature of the film is is hammy <laughs> whereas this one <laughs> was was so not you know it felt so different yeah. I also, I also, I also I felt think... like we all just went in at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we all just have so much to say about this film. Uh, um, I felt like so. I my opinion on the on the Stan Lee cameos is that I I enjoy them more when um, they the character or whatever role he plays can be replaced replaced by anybody and and the story still makes sense. Mm. Whereas in this one, the cameo doesn't make. Like, I feel like it it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't Stan Lee. Like, the reason that we all accept that scene is because, oh, it's Stan Lee, so it's, we get it. Whereas in other yeah. ones, like him being the uh, FedEx man, like, that that could be played by anyone. And so it yeah. kind of makes sense. It doesn't pull you out of the, uh, out of the film. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, th- amazingly, actually, I don't know how long we've been talking about the film, but... <laughs> the fact that they had to put Stanley in the film because it's a Marvel film, they also had to. It probably felt hammed in because there are what two other white guys in the film. Um, yeah, that's like, true. We literally have gone for however long, and we have, which I think is fantastic. As I was, I was talking to Alex about this, like I just feel like so much the attention on this film has been like, oh, it's the first black superhero movie. I mean, apart from Blade, like it's the first black kind of black ensemble, um, mm. and everyone's been focusing on that rather than how amazing a film it is like mm. it's a genuinely like well beautiful looking the cinematography is gorgeous the writing mm. is amazing the music's great like it's a good film and yet everyone's kind of talked about the race issues which yes are obviously very important and like there's a huge extra layer to the film but like you know I, i'm glad that we were able to talk about how just how good it is as a piece of art um mm. i mean i suppose on that point um so yeah my point being that you know there were there were only two two people who are in lord of the rings which makes them as i've seen on twitter the tolkien white guys who are in the film. i was gonna make the joke if you didn't ah it's <laughs> stuck in there um, <laughs> but i mean you know that they and they also i thought both were very good actually i didn't think too much of martin freeman in the civil war film i thought he was good in this and andy circus knocked it out of the park because he's just yeah i really like that guy um Mm. like as a piece of art sort of tying over into the i guess sort of the discussion about it being such a milestone film um it i guess the best 
thing you could ask of any piece of art is that it, it, it's like a mirror where you hold it up and you see something more of yourself than you otherwise would. Mm. And I feel like specifically being white British, um, a lot of that happens in this film. And, you know, I, I feel that we're both more educated and perhaps more aware of, of these issues than a lot of other people in the UK. But even for people, even for me, um, there was the line when... Um, oh, I know what you're going to say. I know, it, I know what you're going to say. The kill is it the Killdozer. That was his, his name, wasn't it? Um, the line where he says, the sun will never set on the Wakandan Empire. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, oh, sh- that sounds so evil like mm. when you put it like that like it's just one of those things that culturally has always been in the background in the uk and it's like you you never you i guess because we've always seen it as the oppressors rather than from the perspective of the oppressed mm. um and it, it's like such a it was such a light bulb moment for me amongst other moments in the film um that yeah really like it it, it kind of revealed a lot about how how we I th- actually actually think about the issues on a deep level that I hadn't considered before. I was gonna say just to perform a cultural reading of 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 the film is gonna. There's so many layers to it, both both what you see on screen and again without wanting to keep harping on about the score, the the kind of the considerations that are made there of balance, you know, like the 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 kind of the hip hop influences and being able to tie in to to be able to tie perfectly together, um, like tribal Africa and. Um, you know, hip hop, twenty first century America, as these two, just like they're they're linked in every sense, and that's why you know I was a bit disappointed that watching the Baftas, music and and soundtrack seemed to take a bit of a backseat, um, mm. which is re- you know really really disappointing. Um, and the, when Mark Kermode came down to Exeter, was my one question directed to him, where I was like, why do not people need to talk about music more? It's so vitally important. And this is such a valid point because I think if, if this, if the score for this film wasn't so considered, I don't think it would have been nearly as, as um, successful in, in, in kind yeah. of being thought provoking. Just on that BAFTA's point really quickly. Can, can mm. we just uh, um, on a completely, well, not completely, but kind of unrelated note, my boy, jo- uh, Roger Deakins got the BAFTA for, um, Blade Runner 2049 so mm-hmm. maybe maybe this is the year that he gets his Oscar and I know he's going against the first female cinematographer to be nominated but give my boy his Oscar he, he yeah. f***ing deserves it anyway sorry that's just my Roger Deakin fanboy corner um, sorry Taha <laughs> you were going to say something oh um, yeah I was going to say uh, especially with like with what you said about how um, like it makes you think about like all of these other issues what mm. I really enjoyed coming from someone who... So, oh, I didn't say before, but I, I do PPE, uh, which is politics, philosophy, and economics. Um, and what I really enjoyed, especially in... Well, I enjoyed it a little bit in Civil War, um, which was um, this... I like films when there is that they embody an ideological battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in Civil War, you had like pro-regulation against regulation that was the whole thing about the accords but in this one what i really really enjoyed was um you know you had all of these different characters occupying very different spaces in in a political uh, in like political ideology and and it's it's like inherent in all of the characters and no one really has to see it but it's there and what i really enjoyed about it is especially with all the discussions about the film afterwards that I've had with people, um, you know, people empathize with p- different characters, um, and what they're unwittingly doing is they're basically, um, you know, they they're basically revealing what kind of 
political ideology they kind of side with in in a very kind of natural way they're not that you know they're not saying oh i'm really you know pro uh, isolationism or like interve- interventionism but um they say oh no i really like the points that this character made about um like how wakanda should deal with things mm. um and i really enjoyed like i guess coming from someone who wants to like um increase political literacy i found this to be like a really interesting piece of like essentially like education in a way that um like that layer to it was really really fascinating to me and i think that's one of the reasons that i've gone to see it so many times um is just because they're making political arguments that like i would make in an essay just like Mm. in this incredible piece of film everyone enjoys it without knowing any of it i mean do you think it's too much to say that there's like kind of a parallel between um Malcolm X and Martin Luther King between uh, Killdozer and T'Challa like kind of the, the violent and non-violent means of overthrowing oppression like you've, you've almost got like kind of the, the two approaches from the American civil rights movement being embodied in those two characters in a way yeah I, I see I see I didn't actually think about that but I see I see what you mean also I just want to say that before I know people are going to email write in about this so it's actually Killmonger, so you don't oh, keep saying that. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, you have to admit, it's a kind of stupid nickname. Like it's like a seven-year-old yeah. made it up. So I'm, I'm very sorry, Black Panther fans, that I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been mangling that one. Yeah, no, I see, I see what you mean about the, um, yeah, it's like the the radical revolutionary versus the more uh, moderate revolutionary. Yeah, mm. I mean, also it, just the kind of it's the the the, the way that. Not only does the, uh, the the kind of the points that it raises are kind of incredibly valid and important to be discussed, but at no point does the film feel any urge to force feed you what's going on and 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 try and sway your answer. It really allows your the like it allows you as a viewer to think. I think as a as a whole, it's really interesting to track the thought process and overall intent of the past like including black panther the past three um the past three marvel films because or or maybe three or four because it's it's representing such an important shift in their kind of like Mm. cinematic outlook not only in the in the kind of like the style in which the film is being presented but just actually kind of thinking about like their purpose as filmmakers and 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 i think it's incredibly refreshing it's incredibly refreshing to be presented on it's almost like morpheus and the matrix you know like being presented with two viewpoints where one is a step you know it is the antagonist and one's the protagonist but yeah. you know they're presented on a level playing field and you do empathize with both of them i just i mean something that other people have emphasized is just how good the character development is that you do understand why everyone is coming into the final confrontation with the view that they, mm. they have and you empathize yeah. with them you know it's it's mm. incredible Right. Ah, if you haven't seen this, guys, readers at home, if you haven't seen this film, you really should go and see it. Um, and yeah. you should send us your reviews to spongyelectricgmail.com. Um, go yeah. and have a look at people, people who listen, people who are on the the Wikicast Discord because there is a Wikicast Discord, or are going to listen to the episode live. Suss out if there's any other Wikicasters who who kind of are near you, even if it involves going into kind of like you know the, the kind of the city near you and go and see it together and then go and get dinner and have a chat about it because it will be such yeah. an interesting conversation to have mm. obviously it'll be nice to meet up with some other fellow kind of readers as well but uh, the, i think the, the the one thing that i came out of this film with most kind of most excited about was one i'm so so surprised and in such a good way and two i can't wait to discuss this film 
yeah yeah um, this yeah. has been really fun just i mean we have actually been talking about it for quite a while uh, yeah. I mean, yeah perhaps one more point each if that hasn't been made yet taha uh okay i'm gonna go with two short ones um one is i, I guess this is just a pitch to the readers at home which is one of them is that i don't see films twice like that's just not something i do mm. i haven't seen any other film twice apart from the last star wars film which i i saw because i it's a long story but basically i i, I ditched someone to go see it early and then i felt bad um, <laughs> um and, okay. and then this the second point there was one other point in the film which i just thought didn't need to be there and and without spoiling it um there was a vine reference that i just hated like i think it's, it's oh very yeah. yeah oh god it was just like why is this like it was such a perfect film and like that really took me out of it mm. um i mean dan but yeah do you have anything else that you'd like to add i think by extension there were some there were like a couple of moments if i'm going to be really picky where i was a bit like oh it's getting dangerous you're like you're doing something so different and in such a good way please keep sticking to it and there were moments where even just kind of like second sequences where you could you could get the feeling that that the filmmakers were thinking oh we do need to put something a little bit kind of trashy in there because it is a superhero film um mm. and i kind of respect that like they did they did some they did some really really different stuff and that that took balls but equally it would have been really great if they could have just tried to go in a different direction in like completely you know but yeah otherwise that, i mean that's really really harsh nitpicky criticism I yeah. mean, I think I I, de- I already mentioned the cinematography briefly, and I I think not enough has been said about how beautiful this film is. Like, mm. it is really stunningly good looking. I think if I was one final point would be, uh, of all the things I never thought I'd say this about a film, I thought the titles were really really cool. Mm. Like the the uh, black sand, uh, especially sort of to tie with the music, both at the beginning, the kind of origins of Wakanda, and the end. Um, mm. with the credits I just thought that was the coolest credits I think I've seen in a film in a very very long time yeah um, like it was almost like it kind of felt like James Bondy but not trash <laughs> you know? yeah, that kind of like the smoke in smoke like smoke or kind of blood in the water blossoming kind of vibe yeah, yeah I see um, what you mean yeah yeah but that the, was... actually by extension on that on that point the, with the black sand thing as, as, as an exercise in um, world and culture building I thought they like the city of Wakanda was the coolest thing ever. Having these like skyrise buildings with mixtures of other kind of more kind of gritty, um, primitive um, uh, uh, architecture. It, yeah, it was just it's really it's really good. Everyone yeah, go on, and see it, please. On that point, I uh, I tweeted a couple of days ago how I came out of the first viewing and the, my first thought was I need a Netflix TV show about just the everyday politics of Wakanda. Like that's something I'd be super interested in. It's just like, you know, House of Cards meets Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Wakanda. Just like, I would just watch that over and over again. Like, I just feel like it's so ripe for that because they've built this whole world. um, And we just, you don't really get to, you get to meet it enough for the story, but I really just want to dig into it. Hmm. I mean, basically, if you haven't been able to tell readers, go see this film. It's really f***ing good. The end. <laughs> and after that huge ramble, um, it's time. It's that time again to to thank our amazing supporters on Patreon. Um, these are our kind of honorific lads. Um, every every kind of 
every dollar donated does make a huge difference. It allows us to more easily coordinate things like having a guest on today, which is being so much fun. And pay him a also lot of money. For... I mean, he's, he yeah, has not so come much. cheap. That is true. <laughs> I required two Freddos. Also helping with kind of hosting costs and, and, and you know, um, merchandise, merchandise, which should be hopefully getting some um, getting some results of that in in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, this is basically our time to thank you. I may be receiving a batch of merchandise tomorrow, possibly. Ooh. Very exciting! A Chinese fireball. Ooh. Ooh. So without further ado, we'll kick off with Lachlan Woods, who is a lad, John Mannion. More like John Ladian. <laughs> He's I'm listened amazing. to the podcast before. He gets how this works. <laughs> Okay. Nicholas? La- Ladius. I tried. I did it. <laughs> Luke Thatcher. L- you Lad Thatcher, am I right? Up top. Lad Lad Thatcher sounds like a device for like for like weaving your own pubes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Luke, oh, thanks so dear. much for your support, oh my God. but also you're gonna, your uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to weave my beard into my pubes and strum it like a harp. Oh, you're a lad, a lad Thatcher, oh God. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. moving swiftly on, Simon Torseth. An incredible lad, playing it safe there. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Alex Greer. Alex, I, I hate to say it to you, but you are a lad. You've tested lad positive. You've oh, tested so lad sorry, positive. Alex. I'm so sorry. Uh, Jordi Eschendahl. Lad. Miles Kornfeld. Lad! <laughs> I went to the other side of the room so I didn't peek. <laughs> Not professional, such professional. <clears throat> Matt Maguire. More like Lad McLadius. <laughs> it wasn't even nice. close. A Ladius. It's clever, what, it's witty, I like it. Is that what the Roman legionaries fought with? A Ladius. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Romans. <laughs> Oh, next up we have Emma. K- 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 Emma Kavana. <laughs> Emma, you are a lad. I'm playing it safe again. We return to. We return to Jay Wright. More like Jay Lad. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, Woo! Nailing it. So, return to Jay Wright. I don't know why, but for some reason, your your voice intonation reminded me of like the old school. Um, uh, where they do football results on the radio. Like, return to Jay Wright. Um, <laughs> Ricky Cast 3, Angela Ladd. Oh, sorry, I stole that one. Oh, hang on, hang on, let me give you another name. <laughs> Angela, you're in a, uh, The next one for Tar is Kieran Kelly. Kieran, I don't know how to say this to you, but... You went to the University of Ladsmith and you graduated with a first... You are a lad. <laughs> Congratulations, Your parents will be Karen. so proud. Oh, we've got wonderful Stephen. I mean, it's in the name. It isn't, but now it is. Wonderful lad. Oh. oh. oh wholesome. He's a good boy. Wholesome. What a good boy. Wholesome wholesome and adequate, I think you'll find. Oh, wow, that's a throwback. Which is a which is a nick. We'll explain that later. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Tapio Kirkenen. What? <laughs> we, 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 say this. we always say his name incredibly tentatively. After Dan, the first time we read out a fan mail from him, he was like very unsure about how to say his name. So it's always like oh, okay. Tapio Kirkenen. I literally, I literally thought it was like cutting out because you were like so <laughs> yeah, so right. staccato with it. I was like, what is going on? Um, but regardless, you are a lad. 
Davi Schram Vontobel. You are the strongest lad. That's supposed to be in, in the weakest link voice, but, you know, I tried. <laughs> ah, you are the strongest nice. lad. I imagine you you kind of you pulled your glasses down your nose and peered over them menacingly. <laughs> in, in that spirit, we got Simon Vase. Bank! Lad. Lad. Oh, God, lad. here we go. No, he's got, the, he's got it the this sca- time. The scariest name. Here oh, we go. No. I'll try my best. Here we go. We've got... As Hagu Nagapan Nagasaravanan? Ladid lad 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 And then the one, the only, the robot loving Dan Hanvey. Dan, you are a lad. Oh, God. Kept me in Mate, suspense. Oh, Good yeah. suspense. I was wondering what he was going to be. I wasn't yeah. sure if he was going to be a lad, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much to all of our patrons. Those are our top lads on Patreon. But we also have, of course, the never-ending battle between, which we haven't referenced in quite a while, actually, the never-ending battle between Team Cat and Team Dog. Um, For the record, I am Team Cat. Yes. Oh, my God. You're never come this, coming on this podcast ever you are again. Always welcome on this podcast, haha. That is wonderful. Um, so, D- Dan, what is the score between Team Dog and Team Cat at the moment on the Patreon? Remind me. The current score, Simon. Team Dog, twenty. Team Cat, twenty-four. Oh, yes. that is. We are getting closer. That is we, a, every week. We're yeah. getting closer. That is a precarious lead right there. Mm. I mean, four cat points. Cat people. We've, we, you know. Taha, you know, which is give your friends uh, Romans countryman speech to cat owners of the world. Cat owners of the world, we need you at this moment in our in our in our history. If the dogs win, we will never be able to. What what do cats like? Cat- Eat nothing. Fish. Cats. <laughs> you know the dogs. They run on a policy of uh, you know hard anti catnip propaganda. So. Mm-hmm. You know, to protect against our rights, we should legalize catnip. Legalize catnip. (laughs) What do we want? Catnip. When do we want it? Now. No. Meow. Dan's been converted. That's what. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) I'm hearing. I'm hearing Dan. Dan. Very pro cat there. I know that my forehead's probably going to isolate that cliff and take it out of context. Forehead, Um, do it. Do it now. Do it. Forehead, don't betray me. Don't you do this. (laughs) And now we find ourselves in Crisis Corner, or Agony Corner, it's subject to rebranding. This is the corner where we're going to be taking uh, a question, an issue, from one of our readers in crisis and attempting to engage with it on a deep level. Uh, You know, actually trying to give you some serious advice for once. Uh, Not something Before you... Yeah, go on. Before you, uh, you know, get the questions from them, I have a question for you. Um, So I've been been wanting to do some, like, educational content on YouTube, right? Right. Um, And I want to do it in, like, the social sciences. And I know that there's, like, there's, there's, like, the the phrase SciComm, as in science communication. Someone asked me recently, being like, does social sciences count as, like, SciComm? And I I didn't know how to respond because, like, obviously logically the word science is in in social sciences but it doesn't feel the same yeah i I, like my gut instinct is to say no but that's purely because of what already exists out there um i don't see any particular i mean because like which has crash course done anything on social sciences like 
They did yeah, sociology. Yeah, they did sociology, right? Yeah, and they've got economics. Um, yeah. I don't know if I class that as psychom. Actually, that's that's an interesting question. There needs to be like a the human. Well, it's not even humanities, is it? It's that halfway house in the same way that like a lot of geography is between. It's not humanities, but it's also not regarded as a science. Um, because it's mainly colouring in, yeah, and then it gets a lot of flack for that. There, yeah. it, there it is, that prejudice. I'm there sorry. Is, I'm sorry, is. everyone. I'm sorry. There was a lot of there was a lot of cutting and sticking as well. To be fair, yeah, true, true. And the finger painting's dated... actually harder than it looks because you've got to clean up afterwards. So, I have dated two people that did geography at uni, and it, it, there's a lot more to it than that. I feel obliged to say, you know, especially considering that my atmospheric physics sure, PhD sure. is kind of half in the geography camp as well. And I didn't do a single bit of colouring. Do they venture into origami? <laughs> I feel bad, but like I've, I, I studied geography, at, <laughs> so like I studied geography. So you know, I feel like I can make those jokes. Yeah, it's like that. You can only make the joke about uh, about it if you are yourself a geographer. Um, otherwise, you get beaten up. Yeah. It's, it's like how someone takes the piss out of your friend. You're allowed to do that, but no one else can. Like you're you're fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't cast it as as psychom. But fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. I think, I think anyway, that yes. might cause some controversy. Oh, good. Did you just bait me? Have you just, have you just put, thrown me to under the bus with that one? I mean, I just threw it out there because I, I think that it's like a question that no one's addressed. But I feel like everyone's gonna just like innately sit on different sides of that. Hmm. Okay. So I feel well, like you, you'll get people writing in. Readers, do you write in? Because I mean, I, I feel like I want to say it's psychom, but at the same, my, my just gut instinct is to say it's. It's not, but I feel like that's purely because I haven't seen any really on YouTube. Yeah, my gut. Yeah, my gut was also to say no, but then they were like, "Yeah, well, what is it then?" And I was like, mm. uh. <laughs> <laughs> "Bloody hell!" Okay, well, so that we've started out crisis corner with causing a crisis. A crisis. <laughs> yeah. Well, we well we've started with 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 the kind of the answer to to that question is maybe we shouldn't subscribe to labels. And on that note... Yes, we, we now move on to the actual crisis, which is happening from our yeah. reader, Anonymous, uh, who, has sent, who has sent us a what message. A nice. Uh, who has sent us an email. Much LGBT, so drama. Uh, so uh, I'm going to read this out in full, and then we will launch into our discussion. And Taha, it'd be interesting to get your, your opinion on this. Uh, so the mm. others haven't seen this. So this is me reading it for the first time. Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, a couple of years ago, I was outed as bisexual to the entire school and that's bisexual incidentally in rainbow colours which is a nice touch um, mm. as the mature person I am not this shouldn't bother me too much but it kind of does because I'm quickly coming to the realisation that my time at the school will at some point be over and if I want closure it will be best to get it relatively soon so first a bit of background information point number one super bi unimportant moving on two confessed to a guy at one point some time ago. He was hot, I asked him out, suddenly the entire school knew. Three, was bullied intensely for like a month by his friends until people got bored because bullying LGBT kids doesn't have much variety in it. Four, the guy is probably not homophobic or whatever, and I'm hoping he didn't tell his friends because he wanted them to bully me, but I don't really know. Five, this sounds like high school drama because it was high school drama at the time. Now, I haven't talked to the guy in ages, but it's kind of important to me that he understands that I'm still annoyed by the fact that my coming out wasn't my coming out. Is there a way to talk to people that you haven't talked to in ages about awkward subjects without seeming bitter? I really don't know how to bring the subject 
up without freezing up or something and sometimes i think it would just be better to ignore his existence and continue with my life but i'd also like closure and for things to not be awkward i open i open the discussion to the floor i mean so basically how is there a way to talk to people that you haven't talked about in ages about subjects which are awkward without you know all the kind of negative connotations i mean taha this is your first time here i'm going to throw you in the deep end what's what's your initial reaction i mean my initial reaction is that's quite brave of you to want to do that um yes yeah i mean like like we i mean we mentioned it kind of before where we were talking about we we're we're all happy to just sit and pretend to have conversations with people um (laughs) um so i don't know i mean i have I think I think that um, kind of addressing the like outcome or the goal of why you're beginning the interaction is always really helpful. Like I've talked to people from the past just to be, but I will start the interaction like, hey, you know, I ju- I'm just messaging you because you know it's been it's been a really long time, and I'm I I'm just like especially because it's like near the new year, you can kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm just turning a new leaf or whatever. Um, and I just want to, you know, tie up some loose ends from uh, school and then kind of just go into it, um, which I feel like it's a good way of doing it because it feels less like, like, you know, it's this is a problem um, or like a very confrontational and more like this is like a, like a piece of admin, <laughs> in a way because it's like, oh no i'm just you know i'm just tying up all the loose ends uh, yeah. you being a massive one of them but like they don't need to know that it's just kind of like oh yeah yeah you know i was just like ticking all, all of the things off a list and you'll just happen to be one of them kind of thing um i found that to be work that, that to work a little bit also like i've never had to deal with confronting someone over outing me because i'm not uh lgbt so i, I wouldn't know the specifics Yes. of that yeah so. we're, we're three straight guys uh all, all, all yeah. dealing with this issue um so take our advice with a pinch of salt um i mean so your advice taha is in your experience it's kind of almost treating it as a formality really it's almost like a piece of administration to be to be dealt with well that's i feel like when you make it seem like that it like takes the like edge off of as something that you've been like carrying around for for a really long time because when you do that it makes it seem like um like it makes it come across as more bitter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Dan, what do you think? I think it's a tough one. I think at one point this person said that they also they did they didn't want to make things awkward, but they also wanted closure. And I think closure is a really really important thing. Um, so I think don't let your fear of things being awkward dictate whether you should or shouldn't do it, because I think closure actually probably takes precedent over that i sent a message i had a conversation um a couple of years ago now um out of the blue this guy i used to go to school with back in australia in the second school um so i was at uh, brighton grammar school and then st leonard's college um uh brighton grammar was an all boys grammar school and i didn't really get along there very well and basically there was this one guy in my year level who bullied me horrifically and he was um a real piece of work um and i remember it was like a couple of weeks into uni and I got a message out of the blue this really long message from him basically saying this is really weird we haven't spoken in literally like six years but I just wanted to say how sorry I am for Hmm. how I like treated you and and he had absolutely you know obviously that's a that's a massively awkward thing to say because that's you know 
opening a real can of worms there, but I really didn't. It, it wasn't like that at all. I just kind of accepted that as a, I kind of messaged him back saying, like, that's, that's really nice of you to say. Thank you so much. It means a lot that you've said that. And then we left it and we haven't spoken since. And there was no need to say anything more. I think it was as, just as important for me to hear that as it was for him to say it. Um, whether my kind of acceptance meant anything or not, I don't know. But again, it comes back to that whole idea of closure being a really important thing. Um, if you feel like you, you'll be better off because of it, but you're risking things being awkward, then I would say we'll we'll do it and and take the risk. So you don't think it isn't it, that the awkwardness is uh, guaranteed? Like it is possible to talk about these things and it not be awkward? Oh, for sure. I think I, with kind of with a lot of the things I do, um, just the way that I am as a person, but also kind of like my attitude in relationships, which may take some bearing on this conversation is that I always swear by honesty as best policy no matter what even if I know that uh, that mean that might mean that I have to have a conversation that could could cause kind of could could bring the other person to be upset mm. um I'd much rather just say look we're gonna I'd like to have a cat I'd like to have a chat <laughs> nearly said cat my god I'd like to have a cat um <laughs> oh, it was so close I'm sure you, no yeah, I wouldn't sure you would. um yeah yeah um but yeah, I, I think that just being able to just to be able to speak freely makes things so much easier. And and like what Taha said, maybe maybe preface what you're saying by saying like, you know, this doesn't necessarily warrant a reply, but I just want you to know that this is something that I want to say because um, it's important for me to say um, and leave it at that. If you want to send something back, then sure. But it's just, yeah, this also, is something that I need to get off my chest. Yeah, but also like if you haven't talked to this this person in like a while, it's kind of like, if it becomes awkward like it's kind of fine mm, yeah, like totally. yeah because it's it's not someone that you have to see on a daily basis yeah and for having that conversation it's you know maybe well maybe you will but the kind of the chances of, of, of suddenly kind of sparking up and reigniting the friendship i think is pretty slim um that'd be i mean it'd be fantastic if that happens and and, and you both grow because of it but 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 i think given the current situation the the kind of the the awkwardness risk factor is pretty low. If we were to having to do kind of like a work, a kind of a work and health and safety assessment of this of this encounter, <laughs> it'd be pretty okay. We'd be approved. I mean, I suppose the, the the angle you're basically proposing is, you know, what do you have to lose really by by mm. you know you, you're going in, you don't have. It's not like you're putting a massive friendship on the line um, by bringing up something awkward. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, does anyone have an experience? Because I think I could talk about something here does anyone want to relate an experience where they were possibly in the other situation where um they've talked to somebody um who has who they have wronged uh, about an awkward something and try to make it less awkward perhaps after like a, a gap because obviously dan you've been on the receiving end of that out of the blue that wonderful act of somebody mm. coming to you does do either of you have a sort of an experience opposite to that uh See, I was a massive racist. No. Um, <laughs> Jesus, that caught me off guard. Oh, you, you really have been listening to this podcast. You fit in so well. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, which now makes me feel like I should probably think about, like, think about what I've what I've done in my past and like. Yeah, like have you actually been people, awful? But... And you just haven't like actually confronted it. <laughs> no, I'm sure you. I don't think so. I mean, because I, I, yeah. I did have this before with, I mean, this has happened to me probably twice in a significant manner. 
Um, I think the one that is probably more relevant to this would be there was, uh, oh God, how old, this was probably more than 10 years ago now, um, about GCSE kind of time. There was a girl who I met on a trip and I basically, we kind of got together um, and it was actually my first kind of kiss as an adult. Um, and then we chatted online for weeks and weeks on, it was actually Bebo, that was how old, how long ago wow. this was. Um, and I basically kind of didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't, this first time I'd ever been in anything approaching a relationship, and it would be for quite some time afterwards. Um, so I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and I, I think basically I just decided to kind of keep evading the point and evading the question uh, of like, what are we that she was kind of phrasing to me. Um, and just got to the point where I was just dancing around the issue to the point where it was definitely upsetting her. And she mm. kind of, I don't, I blew up is the wrong word. Like it was completely justified about just basically getting very, very upset, made her opinions and feelings about it clear. And then we didn't really talk for a couple of years. And then we actually met up at an event um, for all the people that were on that trip. And we talked about, and I basically got to say to her, uh, you know, I'm, this is awkward, but I, I realized what I did now was mm. completely inappropriate it was wrong i'm very very sorry about how i acted i know it doesn't make it excusable but this is why i didn't know what i was doing i was you know i was just doing kind of making it up as i went and i'm very sorry for how how it may have made you how it made you feel because i know it made you feel upset and she was you know very she was very nice about it and sort of said thank you for saying that that does mean a lot like clearly the manner of her response indicated that it kind of still hurt a little bit um and the i I could tell that i had done the right thing by doing it basically i i I knew that um it had like given her a sense of closure um which was nice because we've actually met up a couple of times since just randomly and it's and since then it's been great it's been really really nice so from the perspective of somebody who has come into this uh as um the person who has done wrong which i realize is the opposite of our anonymous reader um I found that kind of going in directly and not skirting around the issue like I did before, um, just kind of going in and saying it was the the simplest thing. Um, I mean, obviously, that I'm now in the same situation as the guy that talked to Dan was in, uh, rather mm. than you know the opposite. But uh, I mean, do you think that that it's good advice if you? we've already determined that basically it's a low risk venture but do you think that that the reader doing the same as me and going in pretty pretty directly and just outright ask you know coming up to a person and saying it do you think that's a good course of action i think there's also a slight difference in the scenario right because it's like yeah. they're they're trying to highlight something that the other person has done yes wrong. of course yeah yeah so i i like that's like a little bit i i, I would still go if if, if you want like Dan said, like, I think the closure is really important. And I feel like going in directly, especially as like, I assume adults at this point, everyone is generally just, I know, I know how I would want it to be approached, which is kind of just very directly and and kind of just been like, Hey, this is what happened. Um, and like, and I think everyone, especially in their twenties, like kind of is in this massive process of learning. And I think they would they would very much welcome any constructive criticism about their past behavior. Um, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, this is th- th- this is an awkward one to try and answer because we are all straight and we have mm. been 
either on the receiving end of this or in my case i've been the person who's sort of done the, the apologizing but i mean it's it's difficult for us to give direct experience about this but i mean i feel like the advice of it's good uh, it's a good idea to go for it and just to be forthright about it i th i think it's probably yeah. the best that we can come up with yeah um there was this thing oh so there was this tweet that i saw um which is kind of relevant here um which was about um it was about like arguments um, and it was a phrase from a Japanese book that this guy had tweeted, um, which was always remember that to argue and win is to break down the reality of the person you are arguing against. It is painful to lose your reality. So be kind even when you're right. And I think like, even though it's not an argument, I think that being confronted with, with the fact that you probably like you've done something wrong is actually re a really hard thing to like experience mm. um and that, that's not like trying to diminish like what what you went through because obviously like you were you were the one that had the horrific experience happen to you but i think in terms of like trying to get the other person to understand i think that's like really useful advice that's a wonderful quote i really really like that yes, yeah that's really yeah. good I don't know if it. I, I don't know, actually know if it applies here, but like, I just wanted to. Oh, I think so. Yeah, okay. I think it's something yeah. for the other person to sort of. Well, in, in a way, no, it's the person for our reader is going in and saying, "Look, you might not realize it, but what you did was very hurtful to me," and you know, you mm. have to be sympathetic in a way in putting that that message across because yeah, you're breaking down that person's reality. Um, mm. That's. I mean, the other thing to say actually about like I can't remember who said it in in earlier. Somebody said about whether it's important or not that the other person accepts your forgiveness um, i think it was you dan actually um there's there's oh, yeah. something uh that it was a, it was a very very interesting interview with desmond tutu about the concept of forgiveness and about how it's a two-way process i think the it's almost like um accepting forgiveness is like um undrawing uh, the curtains and opening the windows and letting fresh air kind of come in you have to be willing to accept that forgiveness but the only way that you can do that is to honestly say i resign my right to retribution like if you can honestly mm. say to yourself that um i forgive you for what you have done the act of forgiveness is saying i i'm not going to, to seek payback or anything like that um and i think that in its that is a very very valuable thing for the other person to hear and you know you should only say it if you mean it that you accept the forgiveness but i do think that it is Im important um so i think the, the subsidiary advice to our reader is if they do offer an apology and ask to, to be forgiven maybe not in those words that it is important to if you accept it to tell them yeah what a good question though wow. yeah i mean anonymous yeah. i hope that everything's going well just to finish off actually reading out the email um Sorry for the ramble. It feels nice to send in things anonymously to get answers to crises. That is exactly why we set up this corner. Anonymous, I'm very, very glad that you could send it in. And if you are, in, uh, dear reader, in a situation that you think would benefit from being read out like this and discussed, you could send that to spongyelectric at gmail.com. We will anonymize everything that's sent. Um, Anonymous goes on to say, I've been holding this in for quite a while and I'm turning into that one song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is Tell Me I'm Okay, which I haven't come across in the series yet. I need to catch up. Uh, also, they say, please, rampant sex in the past uh, fan fiction. As far as I can recall, there wasn't much sex being had at all. Just mildly saucy grinding. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there was more than that, Anonymous. Uh, 
Um, anyway, oh, I, I have like a, a last thing to say, I guess. I think that um, I've had I've had times where I'm in a similar position to Anonymous. Um, and I've went in basically too early in a way where it's not me who wants to get closure by explaining what they've done wrong, but me wanting them to admit that they've done wrong. Yeah. And I feel like going in expecting them to respond in a certain way is probably not the best course of action because that's like, that's out of everything they could say, the thing that you want them to say is probably, it's like the, the chances of that happening are generally quite small. Yeah. yeah. Good grief. We, uh, we, I think Ooh. we may have done it again. We may have actually managed a useful section of the podcast, guys. Well done. And we've arrived safely in Correspondence Corner. We've um, nearly made it through the podcast. Like we, yeah. we've, we've actually done all right. We've got to, guys, we, John, we've got to finish strong. All right. We've, our friends are listening. Taha's friends are listening and they're way cooler than we are. My mum is probably listening. His My mum's definitely listening. listening. So we've, we've got to finish on a high note. All right. Let's just, here we go. Come on. Readers, don't let us down. What's our first email, Dan? So our first email is from JamieJX93. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, long time since emailing. He says, Dear Messrs. Clarkmore and special guest, I don't know if you chaps remember me. I've been listening since the very beginning and I'm a, the progenitor of the term Clarktholicism. I remember. In the time since I last emailed, I worked in cinema. Lost 11 kilos of weight from 84 to 73. That's like wow. a damn. That's amazing. That's like nearly wow. a whole me. Almost decided on a master's to take, either in international politics or foreign policy and diplomacy, and won the two best delegate awards, first place for Model United Nations, on the following. People's Republic of China, Human Rights Council, Topic A, the question of freedom of speech and the internet. Topic B, the question of the violation of human rights in Gaza. And the Russian Federation, United United Nations Security Council, Topic A, non-proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. And Topic B, situation in Donbass, Ukraine. I mean, wow. the thing is, you've got really Ooh. interesting countries. I never had China or Russia at MUN. I always had shitty countries like Costa Rica and Colombia. Mm. No offense to people. I think. Wow, well, shots fired. They don't have <laughs> yeah. nuclear Jesus weapons. Christ. What's the point? In your in your defense, I'm pretty sure when I did it at school, I also was Costa Rica. I mean, I don't think it, my school had model UN. We were <laughs> went the to only, a terrible school. We were the only state school that went to M- MUN's like non. There was one that was in our town. We went to that, and a few other state schools did. But we were the only one that went. to... To, there was one at Eton and one in Manchester, and we f-ing kicked most of the private schools' ass. Um, but yeah, we we did have to deal with. And he's not bitter about it countries. at all. But I I f-ing beat them, Dan. I ground those smug private school kids into the dirt. Not that I'm bitter about. Yeah, it. boy. I I mean I would be. I'm I'm a I'm a state school boy. State school scum. Um, proud. Yeah. When I went to university, it was a big culture shock, I, uh, which I didn't yeah. expect. Yeah, you're telling me. sorry Dan uh, he goes yeah yeah. he goes on to say my next one is the People's Republic of China on the Security Council inspired by Simon Clark from a previous podcast I I wonder what that was in reference to anyway I mean good luck for it it's it is tough being on the Security Council as a P5 but you know, mm. it's it's fun, and you normally have a good shot at getting best delegate again. Also, way way to show off with all your accomplishments. But I've got to say that losing eleven kilos of weight because you started at about the weight that I am now. Mm. Uh, actually, no, 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 that was the weight I was at. Sorry, um, and I'm aiming for a similar amount of weight loss. That is a serious, serious amount of weight loss. Well done. Amazing man. work. 
He, he ends by saying, As Clark Tholicism and Mormonism have grown and become doctrinal, I believe a new uh, schism has developed in the depths of the Wikicast Discord called Baguettism. <laughs> Synchronising the two faiths of Clark Tholicism and Mormonism, do either of you think this is heresy, like decimal heresy, or simply a fad? Keep up the good work, chaps, and remember to dial 0118999881999119725 in case of emergency. Yours, Jamie JX93, age 24 and 115th. P.S. Baguette. I mean, to me, anything that is not directly in line with Clark Tholicism and Mormonism, that is heresy. That oh, is, yeah. That totally. Is- 40k levels of heresy. I mean, and Taha, would you describe yourself? For the record, I'm a, I'm, I subscribe to Baguettism. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Damn it! We're in the trenches. To, we're gonna have to burn you after this podcast. You've been doing, you've been doing so well. <laughs> yeah, I'll start the fire. Either that will turn you into a servitor for the glory of the the Imperium of Wikicast. That is terrible. I mean, it's I'm a, it's such a, a nerd. It will, no, no. Actually, you say that. Um, Cellular Page, our favorite, second favorite biologist. Um, messaged me earlier. She she basically noticed something on my private Facebook profile. I was like, "Why is this?" And I, I replied saying, "Do you really want to know?" Mm. And then she went, "Yeah, yeah, go on." And I sent her like no shit about four. It would have filled a whole A4 side of the backstory from the 40k universe about why the specific thing was on my Facebook profile. And she was like, "Jesus Christ, I really wish I hadn't asked." <laughs> uh, yeah, do not doubt. Nobody should doubt the depths of my my nerd my nerdiness when it comes to 40k. But I mean, I also want to. I also want to loop back and just. Uh, I want to be. I want to be front and center on the Baguettism wiki page. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. He's a martyr. Don't let it I happen. Saw, I, I saw a power vacuum, and I was right there. Yeah. You have the uh, the third faith that's appeared in the lands, and we're doing our best to crush it. But like the the picture of Kaftar on the <laughs> Wikipedia page as like a martyr. <laughs> God, God damn it. We're, oh, we're going to have to burn you afterwards, Taha. It's been nice knowing you. I mean, thank you for email, Jamie. <laughs> the readers will revolt. It's fine. Don't listen to him. Next up, we have some follow-up from James Mumford, who you may recall, uh, regular readers, was hit by a car last last week. Mm. Uh, and we expressed our concern. In fact, hang on, I'll, I'll read this email. Uh, Messrs. Clark and Moore and guest. See, Taha, they're being very considerate. Um, Thank you so much for your kind words regarding my accident last week. I appreciate your concern, not least for my sizable ass. Yes, Simon, I am indeed currently a thick boy, despite my best efforts. You made a big dent in that windscreen. That's all I'm saying. Um, Although I suppose the extra padding could have played some part in saving my life, so can't complain. There you go. You know, your own portable airbags on your ass. I mean... I, Has, I mean, hashtag thick boys a, survive yeah if Dan got hit by a car it'd be like a matchstick man like it, just, oh my like, God. it would it would sound like a packet of crisps being stepped on <laughs> We'd already, we've already established if I was hit by a car I'd pass through it unharmed oh yes <laughs> insect like so I thought your bird your, your bird like bones are just going to explode on impact um, yeah <laughs> Keeping it light on the Wikicast. Thanks yes, for emailing in. Much um, like Dan Skeleton. Uh, yeah. This leads me to my question. Are either of you at all plagued by the thought of readers dying unbeknownst to you, or for that matter, consumers of Simon's YouTube channel? I have to admit, last week it did cross my mind the idea that what if, you know, a, a reader of ours either dies uh, mm. listening to us, or just, you know, someone who's emailed in, maybe Hecking Ruddy George or Hannah Muller, like just, they might just die. Mm. Um, I mean,. I'm, I suppose I'm plagued by the thought now. Or your forehead. Yeah, oh my God. 
don't, don't say even, that. Don't joke about that. I'd I'd weep for days. Good grief! On the Twitch chat, can we please see some like praying uh, um, emojis? Uh, RN Jesus is close enough. Let's get a yeah. bunch of RN Jesus. In hashtag the chat, hashtag pray for Dan's forehead. One like equals one prayer. She's she's like our mascot. <laughs> well, sorry, I mean your forehead is like our mascot. I mean, yeah. yeah, like the idea. It's the whole thing about dying digitally. I think we might have talked about this before, but like leaving behind a digital footprint after death is. It's something that culturally we're not ready for, I don't think, you know? No. Yeah. Not at all. I'm, I, I found this really weird because there was, like, some person who I knew, um, they were, like, a exchange student for, like, a term or something hmm. at, like, my secondary school. It, it wasn't, ex- he, like, he wasn't actually an exchange student. He was here for, like, a term for some reason. Um, but it was his birthday, and I, for some reason, clicked on his profile and and like it just turned out that he had like died in like a skiing accident sure. and i was just like oh my god it's like his facebook is just here yeah mm. and it's just like it was so sur- surreal i mean there's a friend of a mutual friend of dan and i who um very unexpectedly died relatively recently and mm. their facebook page is just still there i mean i think if i remember rightly their their parents had logged in to explain what has happened yeah. and they were going to yeah. leave the facebook up which is i, I think very interesting that Facebook allows you to do that, and obviously it's very tightly regulated. But I think also, not only is it interesting for that, it's interesting because it's quite, from what I can understand, it's quite a common thing mm. for people. Well, to, it it's is. almost it almost serves as like a digital shrine. I had a I had a really really good friend of mine in um, uh, again actually at, at, at Brighton Grammar School um, who um, who was who was clearly going through a kind of really tough time, and he actually ended up. Um, taking his own life we were in year i think year seven um and that was the same thing for years and years and years all of the time through throughout australia on his birthday you'd get the this kind of this outpouring of of kind of love that would just be on that page and you can cut yeah it's, it's a really uh kind of eerie thing you know i mean and that's that's just people that you have a kind of a level social relationship with i mean this question is about like people who very intimately know us because they mm. listen to so many episodes of the podcast they might watch the vlog or whatever and yeah. then like they could die and i'd never know that that connection existed it's yeah it's yeah it's, yeah it is a very chilling thing to think about i mean because mm. statistically with the, with the number of people who've watched my videos some people who have watched my videos will have died that's mm. Yeah, it's it's as actually as as uh, James says, the podcast has been going since mid twenty seventeen. Simon's YouTube channel has over a hundred thousand subscribers, so it's more of a statistical probability than a hypothetical. Um, how many of us are gone? It's mm. uh, I I I am not I don't have a a processed opinion about that yet because I'm not ready to consider it. I don't think. I mean, no. how this is the first time in well, it's not the first time in history, but like it's the first time in history where it's been commonplace to have, um you know a profile that is public to so many people and you know so few of them back like yeah i, I don't know yeah i i want to do my masters on this topic oh um, really now that was good yes it's yeah it's called parasocial relationships yes. it's only ever been researched in terms of um like people's re- ch- children's relationships with uh, like superheroes and barbie dolls and things mm. um and it's like a very under-researched thing especially in the internet age um but yeah it's it's such a weird it's such a weird idea like um and yeah like the whole thing is like so overwhelmingly like complex that mm. 
it's just easier to not think about it. <laughs> yeah, quite. Okay, so well, interesting though. I mean, th- th- I mean, uh, thank you very much for the email, James. I mean, that's phew, thanks for putting us down, man. Like we yeah. were going so great. Anyway, Dan, can we? Can you pick up? Can you pick us up and make us feel a little bit, li- you know, lighter? Thank you, though, James. We've got another email here from Sarah Swinton. She says, Dear Messrs. Moore and Clark, I'm a long-time reader, first-time writer, and just wanted to thank you for the hours of entertaining audio. Listening to the podcast definitely helped me get through studying for my uni exams last December. I had fluid mechanics, programming, and maths. I'm a second-year aerospace engineering student. Yay, space. My kind of girl. That's that's a lie. I like pixels. I'm currently listening to episode 21, and I've just learned that Dan will be 21 on the 21st, which is a day after my birthday. So, so happy possibly belated birthday to you, Dan. Well, happy birthday to Sarah today. For today, well, I, I yeah. mean, you're not to hey, date this podcast, but there you go. Yeah, when we're when we're recording this, that's happy birthday, Sarah. Yeah, happy birthday. You share a birthday with Rihanna. Oh yeah! What a privilege. Happy birthday, Rihanna! You overachieving bitch. <laughs> wow <laughs> for the, again for, for the record for for context rihanna is i don't know if this is gonna be in the podcast but, it will be <laughs> oh for context rihanna is 30s which means that she achieved everything that she achieved in her 20s so we feel so, a bit you know. nice, basically about well yeah. certainly i do yeah. the fact that i'm nearly oh 30 and i'm not rihanna yeah so, but more importantly i just turned 20 oh my god you're so oh my young god. you're even little younger baby. than that a little boy yeah. yeah, wow. I didn't realise you were younger than me. I'm a small child. <laughs> I mean, no, that's definitely me. I yeah. am a small child here. We've copyrighted that phrase. Yeah, don't tell everyone on YouTube, though, because turns out a lot of the, like, advertisers and industry people think I'm, like, 25, which is really useful because they just take, treat me way more seriously than my other 20-year-old friends who mm. do YouTube. I share a birthday with um, Alan Rickman. Ah, very nice. Which I, is always a kind of always adds a bit of a sad thing to my. I've, ever since he he um he passed away, I've kind of like we I've had like this weird tradition. Well, I've done it always at home, but I've kept kept it up while I've been at uni. Um, to um, I'll have a I don't know if I've got like a I'll have a glass of prosecco or something, but I will pour him a glass, and I've done it every single year, and it's um yeah it's a it's a nice thing I like to do. Nice. Fun fact for you there. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Um, she goes on to say, Sarah goes on to say, uh, Simon, congrats on passing your Viva recently. Having watched your videos for years, I felt very chuffed for you. Also, go Team Dog. Best wishes to both Sarah Swinton. P.S. Please find attached a picture of my goodest of good boys, Ben. Oh my God. That is a good yes, boy. This, now, Ben looks just like my dog, Fiverr. Um, and so he is Taha, the goodest. Look, I have to describe this to you because uh, and yeah. the readers because it's a podcast. Uh, it's it's a black it is a black lab, isn't it? Yeah, a black lab. Mm-hmm. I thought lab, labs are usually white and sterile. <laughs> there he is. That's that's what we paid him for. That's the yeah. That's what you paid me for. Yeah, amazing. But it's a it's a very good boy. I mean, he's also on a like a. It's, he's chilling out on like a leather sofa and he just looks like so at rest. He's got his head he's like resting got, on like a soft Yeah, he's toy. resting on a cuddly toy. He's adorable. That's a good boy. I good somehow boy. imagine him lying lying down like um like you know you know that famous painting um with like God touching that Oh the creation touching, of think, man. Yeah. Like him like lying down on yeah. like a sofa like that. The ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, is that right? I think so. I mean, I, I'm so uncultured. I don't know. 
And now our final email from uh, someone... Oh, I see. Yes. Dear Wikicast mystery guests, and also I guess the other two, rumour has it that your mystery guest has a fantastic YouTube channel and an absolutely sensational Twitter account with incredibly witty jokes and topical observations that everyone should definitely go follow. Apparently, both can be found at Can't Stop Me, spelt K-H-A-N-S-T-O-P-M-E. It's important you spell it out on air. Best wishes, definitely not Taha. Well, you've got a fan there, Taha. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't wow. know who this person is. They wow. sound really nice. We should get we should get them on as a yeah. guest. They've actually set your profile picture as their Gmail avatar. Oh, incredible! And that's and somehow they've actually got the same email address as you. That's dedication. That is a real dedication. Yeah, identity yeah. theft. You better watch out, mate. Wow. They're onto you. I mean, my fans are crazy. They, wow. You know, they're willing to break the law for me. It's you know, it's a <laughs> you know, that's that's. They also sign off with uh, age nine and three quarters, which I absolutely adore. Yeah. I was at King's Cross the other day, actually. Oh, nice. Which is oh, it's so touristy now. Like the, the, the nine and three quarters experience, we have to queue up and get your like picture with the the, the, the scarf and, and a wand on the uh, on the shopping trolley. That, sorry, not shopping trolley. The, you know, <laughs> Jesus. Whatever it is. To kind of dull down the excitement of Harry Potter uh, magic. It's like the Tesco value experience now. It's <laughs> just like a shopping trolley stuck in a wall. How dare you. <laughs> Incredible. So, uh, Taha, what have we learned today? We've learned that there is a secret group of hyper-intelligent lizard people or, or something. Oh, my God, yes. That was oh like God, two to- hours ago. Again, once again, I totally forgot that that was where we started. <laughs> and it was really interesting. We just breezed over it. Okay, so it was it was hyper-intelligent, like, code people, and no one's ever owned up to it. Yeah, was that, was that the yeah that's basically it. Summary? And everyone should be scared because they're way smarter than all of us. Yeah. yeah. I, for one, embrace our new lizard overlords. Mm, likewise. We also had a super lengthy discussion about Black Panther, which might be my favourite film of the year. Ooh. Ooh bold, yeah. claim. bold claim. We'll see. I, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, it it was excellent. And the discussion mm. was also pretty great too. Um, but there was some stuff happened in between, but for some reason, I genuinely can't remember what we talked about. I think we no, talked it's just, about everything. It's it's been so there was riveting. a lot of death yeah, in one of the sections. I remember that. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that was the correspondence one. But we just, we, oh yeah. And then after that, uh, between those two, we also had our, um, our wonderful patrons being thanked, but we all, we also had our crisis corner where we three straight boys uh, started talking about um, LGBT issues because I'm mm. sure that's not going to generate problems. <laughs> Um, and yeah, gen- generally it's been, I think, a pretty solid podcast, guys. I yeah, well done, everybody. Pat ourselves on the on the back. Of that, oh. that was good. Also, um, to our readers, well done on making it through this bumper episode. Um, give your uh, expect to see lots of uh, hand clapping emojis in the chat and other kind of frivolities. Of yeah, age. it got really heavy. Nicole, if you're listening to this on your own, and you, yeah, if 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 you're if you're just listening to this on your own, not watching the chat, just give yourself a little subtle clap, just like a little wherever clap. you are. Like really, really, really quiet. Even if it's just a finger and thumb, just want you to clap yourself because you know what? You're amazing. Yeah, well done, everybody. Unless you like ballroom dancing, then you're a fucking prick. <laughs> what? <laughs> lovely, lovely ending. Lovely. That's that's a personal bugbear of mine, right? That's a, that's a hill I'll die on. <laughs> That's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Thoughts on the film Black Panther, internet conspiracy theories, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
thank you for joining us for this podcast, Taha. Thanks for having me. Yay! I got to be the first guest, so that's on the wiki. And uh, I will I will definitely send you my invoice. <laughs> the services to podcasting. So join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll, we'll see, see you next, next time. time. And I won't. All right, so see you guys later. <laughs> And then our final. Oh, actually, can you can you wait for a second? Because Ed's getting a beer. Sure. Hi, Simon. Hi, Ed. He says F- off. No, I didn't. I love you too. <laughs> oh, you do not get on. Nope. Oh, I'm just gonna slur at him. Um, we're gonna do like uh one more correspondence and then wrap up. So I should be done in about ten fifteen minutes. He can't hear me, can he? It's eight, nope. Right? Yeah. No, we start. No, we really we started recording at like twenty to nine. Oh. Ed, you're a prick. Simon says he loves you, Kiri.